Before I get to your calls, I have a guest, a uh, couple guests with me today. Uh, I have in studio for Manhood Hour, I have Benny, right? Benny Ashburn. Benny and T.O. T.O. Hunter. T.O. Hunter. Good Thank morning. you guys for coming in. Of course. Uh, they're local business owners and founder of Crown and Hope. Hops. And hops. Crown and, and hops. Crown and Hop Brewing Company. And they're also panelists with identification sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for coming. Of course. Thank you so for having us. You guys are not married? No. You're not husband and wife. We are, no, not. We are not. Oh, good. <laughs> you're just business partners. Yes. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah. I thought you were husband and wife. Now, everybody thinks that. Yeah. Yeah. Now. That's amazing. <laughs> what made you decide to go in business together? Uh, well, we used to date. Oh. <laughs> That's so funny. We actually met on Tinder six years ago. And uh, T.O. Most unsuccessful, <laughs> successful Tinder story. <laughs> Pretty much. And um, T.O. was really into craft beer. He, he was a, a very big craft beer aficionado. Um, my background was marketing um, and advertising. And we realized that there was a void in the craft beer space for people of color. So we started we started a company to really change that. Amazing. And so your company is here in L.A.? Correct. And where is it located? It, go ahead. Yeah, we're uh, based in Inglewood, California. So, oh, okay. Uh, essentially an area um, where it's currently being revitalized, and uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, we represent and have representation in terms of all cultures, all backgrounds, uh, in, an, in an area, rather, that's currently just being uh, completely changed. Yeah. Do you drink the beer that you make? Absolutely. Of course. Uh, you drink beer, too? <laughs> of course. Really? Of course. I'm not accustomed to women drinking beer oh, or drinking, yeah. period. Well, the, the, the thing about craft beer that I think um, people should really understand is craft beer is more than just drinking beer. The craft beer community, or if you go to any brewery, it's very family-focused. It's very community-based. It's a place where people can come together, feel safe for comfortable and have a glass of beer if they so choose. It's really just about the environment. Amazing. And so you are a part of an organization called Identification Socks. What is that? We're not a, a part of it, um, but it's an organization that was uh, founded by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, uh -huh. and um, they simply invited us to really participate in a conversation about what it means to participate in the revitalization of your communities. Um, the oh, you aren't a panelist about that. We, we oh, I see. You weren't a panel to discuss what uh -huh. it means to have a, a business in an area that might be targeted uh, for gentrification or revitalization in some instances, depending on what side of the fence you sit on. Um, but the reality is we're a part of what it means to contribute to the community, what it means to bring progressive businesses, manufacturing, and, uh, and great craft beer. And so gentrification... It means that the blacks don't want the white people to come back into their communities? Oh, no, I don't think that no. at all. I think, if anything, what it means um, is to consider uh, the people that are there or to consider the incumbents. And What do you um, mean, cons consider them? What do you mean? Well, I think when um, people <clears throat> see their culture uh, not being represented, not being 
um, in a way included in the revitalization of a community, um, it makes some people feel excluded. And our philosophy is that we want to make sure that people are aware of business models like ours, which are craft beer businesses, which are are businesses that traditionally um, show themselves in revitalizing communities. The The reality is a lot of people don't understand the concept of craft beer. Or breweries. Um, traditionally in neighborhoods, there are liquor stores. But white people love beer. <laughs> they, they, they do. This is true. This <laughs> they is definitely true. do. Especially in the South. I don't quite understand what he's saying. Uh, is it that black people don't want the white people to come back? No, I think it's it, – look at it this way. Let's take Inglewood, for example. Inglewood is – Um, known to be a community that is extremely diverse. When you start to revitalize neighborhoods, what tends to happen is the culture of the community that already existed tends to get wiped away. So the fear, I think, in Inglewood is that as the the city starts to redevelop and revitalize, that many of the the black people and the culture of, of black people will be then pushed out. Because you'll have all these new businesses, um, all these new, you know, uh, people moving in that don't look like the community that has existed there for 20, 30, 50 years. So it, it's just a matter of being considered. So when he says being considered, if this is an area that has consisted of primarily people of color, find ways to keep that culture there while also developing the, the, the neighborhood. So you're saying that if the white people come back, they're going to revitalize the city. What does it mean, revitalizing? If the blacks, if they're just, if the whites are coming in and they're just buying property and being folks, I don't, what do you mean by revitalizing? But real quick, though, when you say come back, were they ever there? Yeah. They, just, they, when they I first moved to California, you know. no, when I first moved to California back in uh, 1968, Eaglewood was white. And then the blacks start coming, and the whites left because of the violence and stuff like that. And they tend to turn the neighborhoods into hoods. And so they left, and now they're starting to come back into these neighborhoods. And it seems as though the blacks don't want them back. Is that true? Well, I mean, if you think about it, um, I mean, East L.A. at one point was Jewish. It used um, to be white. Yeah, you're right. It used to be Jewish, and then it became white. Then correct. it became black, and now it's Mexican. Right. I stayed up all night to get a Mexican. Well, well, you know, at the end of the day, um, this was all Mexico at one point. <laughs> but but what we're talking about is— um, I thought it was Indian. Indian, Indian, Aztec. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are many cultures here. So I'm just to trying us. to get a real clear understanding. Of course. The blacks are upset because the whites are coming back, not anyone else coming, right? Well, you, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think if anything, again, when, when you talk about our business, which is the business of craft brewing, right. out of 7,500 breweries in the country, less than 1% are owned by people of color. Right. And if you see that model, which is a progressive model, a model of of entrepreneurship, a a model of ownership, of owning what goes in your body, owning what happens in your neighborhoods, these are the things and these are the businesses that have not been exposed to communities of color. So what we're talking about... But your business is going to boom with the beer business when the white come back. Well, well, why, well, fresh on Friday, they love beer. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. Look, at the end of the day. Beer, boots, and dance. They love <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be a mile away from the stadium. So, right. so That's um, amazing. So, so just yeah, like you, sports, uh, beer uh, can be enjoyed by everybody. So help me to understand. Of course. Because I'm black and a little slow. Um, uh, are the blacks upset because. Look really fast to me. <laughs> <laughs> are the blacks upset because the whites are coming 
Are they upset because the Mexicans are coming and Japanese and Chinese and the whites? They don't want any of them coming. They're upset because they feel like they're getting pushed out of the community. By the whites? By whoever is coming into the community. And who is coming? Whoever is coming in. It could be white. It could be, you know, it could be anyone. It's the, it's the very sole purpose of pushing them out. They don't want to be pushed out. But if they own the land, let's say that the blacks own the land, they bought houses and they right. own the lands and not renting, renting the land, right. how can they be turned uh, pushed out because they don't have to sell? You're right. It's about ownership at the end of the day. Yeah. And and one of the things that we um, like to always talk about are paradigms of ownership. You mm-hmm. know, you can't be stuck That's in a right. paradigm of being a consumer forever. That's right, you know, man. That, that has to change. Um, but what a lot of people also don't understand is it was public and private policy to not give loans to people of color at one point in in L.A. in mm-hmm. Inglewood. So so when you th- when you think about a collateral effect of that that mindset of being a renter, being a leaser, mm-hmm. not being an owner, that starts to set in. And one of the things that we always preach are paradigms of ownership. So yeah. you agree that they, are ta- they don't want any of the races back, not just the white people? It's not. A, it, it's, we don't agree that they don't want people there. We agree that they want to keep their culture and they want to stay in their neighborhoods. So but it, tell them to buy the land and they can stay. Well, this not, is America, it, it, so people are going to well, come yeah, and it's, go. It's to Tio's point, and, and really looking back in history and the, the paradigm of ownership, if you are not uh, if you don't understand what ownership is and you don't have the resources to buy your house or be exposed to the opportunity to do that. It's not as easy as saying buy but your they, house. The white people gave them a chance. Remember when before the market crash, they were letting people get loans and buy homes, even welfare predatory people. Bought, loans. Yeah, the even welfare. people. I don't know what predatory, but <laughs> even welfare people bought homes with food stamps. Right. And everybody and their mama own a home, they own apartment buildings, but they didn't pay the bills. They didn't pay the no. Well, you have to be able and to so the market it. crashed. So they have given them a chance already. So, so you know, one of my favorite quotes by Waldo Ruff Emerson is the mind stretched in a new idea can never return to its original dimensions. Meaning if you were introduced to a paradigm that you have never been introduced before, you can't go backwards. And even though opportunities might have been made available in the past, it doesn't mean that the, that the fundamentals were also given with those opportunities. Oh, meaning so, that their parents didn't teach them to be, but their, their parents, parents were not an example yeah. how to... Buy land and how to invest and how to... Parents, so it's the parents' fault, not the white people' fault, right? Grandparents, what we're talking about is is really information and and the and the availability of it. Yeah. And and here's the thing, uh, th- there is a correction that needs to happen in terms of correction of information being made available to everyone, so that mm-hmm. we can take advantage of this American dream, mm-hmm. so that we can take advantage of entrepreneurship. But there are pillars that need to be in place in order for that to take root. Yeah. And, and what I think you're talking about um, in terms of the fear, in terms of people not having been able to retain their homes or retain their businesses comes from also... They don't pay their bills. Hey, look, you, you know what? When, when black people need to pay back. They don't pay you back. You know how it is. We loan them some money, they ain't going to pay you back. Hey, look, I, I served in the military and then they for years, you. and I saw a lot of white folks that didn't pay bills, too. But you know yeah. black don't pay back, right? <laughs> Be honest. Black people ain't going to pay you back. I can't really... Agree with you? No, you loan them money and you see them like. But hey. you're saying loan them as if it's a larger category. I mean, <laughs> I 
I'm black. I know plenty of people who pay their bills, so I'm not really sure. Benny, you paid me back the other day. I totally did. I believe I, I pay paid you, you back. She better pay you back. Oh, 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 oh. I, pay, I mean, I, you know, I pay you back all you, the time. You know, I pay my let me ask you, when I was growing up, I grew up on a plantation down in Alabama. I was born there, my really? grandparents and their parents, and uh, I grew up under the Jim Crow laws. I noticed the, 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 the bag. My contact, I brought it with me. I see it. Wow. And, um, um, but I never, we were taught from day one how to work. Uh, my parents were good examples, grandparents. I worked all my life, you know, went to school, worked. And we were taught that you finished high school, the men had to leave home. At 18, you're out of there, right? Right. Because you were prepared to leave home, I did at 18. And we were also taught that we should start making money, get a job, making money, buy a house at 25, get married, start a family. And so I grew up with that mentality. Mm. And at 18, at uh, 25, I moved out here at 18 years old mm -hmm. and got me a job. Went through a lot of hell, but got a job. And uh, at 25, I woke up. It was my birthday. I'm like, wow, I'm 25 years old. I got to go buy a house. Mm -hmm. I had no money for a house, no down payment or anything. But it was just instilled to me to do it. Yes. Right. And so I went out and introduced myself to a, a realtor. And she took me around. She's like, how much money do you have to put down on the house? I'm like, nothing. Zero money, right? She said, all right, we'll just look and see what happens. We finally saw a house that I like right down the street. And um, we found out later that the people that were selling that house, they wanted, they just needed somebody to take over the loan, assume the loan. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So I took the loan over, and I bought my house at 25. I have never thought that I could not. I'm not into the race thing and all that. So the way we were raised back before the civil rights movement, black people were starting businesses. They went to college if they wanted to. They started families. All of my uncles and aunts moved up to Indiana, and they all bought homes. They got jobs. They didn't rely on the government. What happened that blacks became so needy and complaining and begging and whining and think that they can't? When they, at one point before the civil rights movement, they thought that they could or they knew they could. I, th I think, again, what, what you're talking about is, um, and what we're talking about is information um, and what you spoke about very specifically about your own homeowner experience. And it was just me, it was other black suit that I know. Would have been a matter of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if anybody right now in this day and age could walk into assuming someone's loan, I'm sure we probably have a lot more homeowners. But you're, you're looking at. But they at, don't have that mentality that you guys have. You guys started your own business. The mentality is already there. Well, and you're also looking at a Spelman grad. You're looking at someone who attended Howard University. Right. And we are taking the responsibility right. of teaching our community, Good. of teaching our neighbors, of teaching our brothers and sisters. But but let's be honest. We also learned from mm -hmm. amazing black and, and brown women and professors and business owners in the community as well. Yeah. So, so, so what we're doing is we're making sure that those lessons are not lost yeah. and that there is a roadmap and we're being responsible for stretching the dimensions of people's understanding. You went to Spelman? I, mean, I did. And Spelman, and you went where? I went to Howard University. Howard, did you know that there was a time when Howard University would not let a man of your color in? I, I did not know that. They would uh, only let light-skinned blacks in. Yeah. They would not let dark-skinned blacks in. <laughs> as, as opposed to no blacks at all? Right. right. They wouldn't let them in. Isn't that amazing? I, I think, if anything, uh, what's amazing is we have some amazing alumni coming out right now. Yeah, you're, we do. You're sitting right in front of one. Uh, amazing. So, <laughs> so let me ask. You said black and brown. I noticed in your promo 
you mentioned black and brown. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, does brown mean Mexicans? Brown means uh, Latino. Latino. Why do you guys include the Browns? The, the Browns don't like the blacks. Uh, why do you? Why do black oh, no. people oh, include oh, them oh, rather to, than just saying everybody oh, oh, whites and, and because when you say brown, it sounds like you don't you're excluding the whites and you just want the Mexicans and I mean the black. So, the blacks so, and the Mexican. So what Why we, do you just say black and brown instead of everyone? We say black everyone? and brown because— Brown being it, the gambit pigment. Right. <laughs> the, the black and brown, we, we say that very specifically because our company was really started on filling and speaking to a void that existed in the craft beer community. As you said many times, white people love beer. You see them at these breweries. You see yeah. them with their families being communal, having conversations. What you don't see— are people of color in these spaces, people of color enjoying these same comfortable um, environments and and spaces in the craft beer space. So our focus is to really represent and introduce the brown and black culture into the craft beer. So we're not excluding anyone. But you should see how it can sound that way, right, when you say black and brown. We can understand how it sounds that way, but I think if you go to a brewery and you look around and realize there are no people of color, there's nothing—we're not excluding anyone. We're just welcoming more to the table, and we're introducing more people to a space because they don't exist. One other question about this gentrification deal. Black people, not all, not all, not all, not all, but most, they bitch when the white people leave the neighborhoods. Like, we come in and the whites are leaving, right? And then when the white people come back, they're bitching. Help me to understand why. They damn that they do it. They damn that they don't. I'm not really sure what you're talking. (laughs) You know how the black people complain that when they move into the white neighborhoods, the white people start moving out. They start selling their property and moving away. I've and never so heard they that don't complain. Yeah, yeah I've I never, have. I've never heard that complaint. <laughs> yeah, they have. They you, you know, actually, I grew up in Altadena, California. Oh, and, cool. Altadena is a nice area. Altadena is a beautiful area. Yeah. And it was also an area um, when there were a lot of people that migrated either from the south or from LA. Right. They, they, they actually took spaces in the hills of Altadena and the spaces in Altadena, and the neighborhood stayed beautiful. And and you know to your to I think the point you're trying to make unfortunately um, I didn't experience that you yeah, know going to Jamir so you High guys School. have never heard the blacks complain that the whites leave when they come in no again and like I was gonna say I grew up in in Altadena Pasadena home of Jackie Robinson as well one of the things that um, they just had a hall of fame to where they introduced um, new people into the the hall of John Muir and mm-hmm. one of the things that everyone white black female um, that graduated from from that school experience was that it was one of the most diverse Mm -hmm. and interesting uh, experiences that they ever had that armored them for the world. So very much like we noticed in the craft beer space, which wasn't diverse and didn't have an inclusional element to it, excuse me, um, we realized that we become better armored to handle and solve uh, and, and, and make suggestions for, for, for unity, you know, when we have diversity. Did you grow up in right California, now. too? I grew up in New York. And Harlem girl. you've Harlem. never heard them complain that the white people leave when they come in? No. You've never heard it? No. <laughs> we're opening it. the D-Live, I mean the uh, treasure chest right now in D-Live, folks. We're opening it. Uh, can What's I hold that? you guys just for a few sure. minutes? Of course. Okay. Uh, I'm going to hold them over for a few minutes. It takes a few calls. i got to take a break. Back in a moment. Okay. Okay. Joel, let me, that's Joel. Y- y'all met Joel? Hello. What up, Jay? He black. How you doing? <laughs> um, we're going to do the D-Live and Treasure Chest here in a minute, Daryl. Okay. Let me just finish this. Um, 
what I want to do is to for you to tell the folks how to find your beer company, mm-hmm. you know, to come there and drink as much beer as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we oh, uh, follow, you can follow us now on social at Crowns and Hops, A-N-D-H-O-P-S, on our Instagram, or you can go to our website, crownsandhops.com, um, and really just follow the journey. We sh- we're set to be open around fall 2020, and our, our brewery, Brew Pub, will have food. It'll be a place you can bring, you know, your kids, your families, have, you know, beer and wine. It'll be right a on. really great place for family. And Amazing. And, and one of the things that I found out recently is that my great-great-grandmother was a brewer. Oh, yeah? And she had a business <laughs> it's in, the in Louisiana. It's in the blood. It's um, in the but, blood. But, but one of the things that, you know, we, we know and we've realized is that craft beer is a neutralizer. Yeah. And, and it's an opportunity for people to find out where they're closer than they are farther apart. Absolutely. And we're excited to, to When I first heard here. about your company, it reminded me of Alabama. Mm. And, and the, I grew up in Alabama, as I said, but it, I've been to Texas a lot. Yep. And they have these beer places mm-hmm. where they dance and drink beer and just have a good time and, and people do come together and discuss issues yeah. and all kind of things can happen there. It's, it's, it's a neutralizer. Yeah. You, you can be sitting next to someone that you would never think you'd be sitting next to in a brew pub and, and find out you have so much more in common than you think you do and that's really important, especially now. And what is the website again? It's Crown, C-R-O-W-N-S-A-N-D Hops, H-O-P-S, Crown oh, cool. and Hops. And that's intended to remind the people that they're always deserving of something premium in their life. Yeah, Amazing. Absolutely. Well, we're heard around the world by everybody and their mama. So Amazing. Hope that you guys get this. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I, uh, I got to ask you this. This is a manhood hour. Every Wednesday, the last manhood. hour is manhood hour. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> and we are rebuilding the family yeah. by rebuilding the man, right? That's amazing. So I want to know, first of all, you guys used to date. We did used to. How long did you date? Um, three years. Three years. Really? And how is it that you're able to be friends after breaking up? And I go into business together and all that. Do we look like we're friends? Right. We yeah. made each other. Yeah, happy. <laughs> we, um, we, when, we, when we built the business together, we, we built it on friendship. And I think we realized, because, um, again, we started this business six years ago, and we realized that um, we were building the community first before we knew we can actually open a space. And so many people would come up to us, and some in tears, some just saying thank you for representing um, us in a way that no one does. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for creating these safe spaces for us. And we realized once we broke up, it, what we were making was bigger than us. And we had to keep going. We had to do it for the community. We had to do it for the change that's really needed in our culture. And we, we just kept going. Amazing. And so, Benny, I mean, uh, Tia. Key. Tio, this man that helped anybody is, get the name right. I know. Tio. T E O. Tio. Tio. So. It's Benny controlling. That's you know funny. Benny is our CEO. I'm the head of brewing operations. And um, the irony is probably the first human being in history that brewed was probably a woman, which is funny. Yeah. Um, so how about when you, while dating, was she controlling? I wouldn't say controlling. Um, I think one of the things that allowed us to come out of the relationship um, still as business partners right. is we have a respect for each other's skill set. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she literally is probably one of the more organized um, individuals I've ever met in my entire life. And so, Benny, are you controlling 
No, I don't. Did you control Tio? No. What? You are controlling. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm controlling (laughs) when it comes to the business. In a relationship, no, I was not controlling. So you uh, obey Tio? Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Obeyed? My God. I don't know if I ever required you to obey. I don't think he asked me to obey him. Did you just naturally obey him? No, I think the only reason we're able to have this business... (laughs) No, seriously, the only way we're able to stay business partners after we broke up is because of the mutual respect we had for each other. So it wasn't an obey, submissive, dominant sort of situation. It was he respected my stance, my position, what I contributed, and I did the same for him. I, uh, I'm running out of time here, but i got to ask this. Of course. What is a man? I know what a male is, but what is a man? A man is someone who has integrity, uh, someone who uh, can make decisions without allowing for the ancillary things in life that are not priorities to to um, uh, put a position in, uh, put a person in a position to not think about the future and not have foresight. So that starts with integrity. And I think if men have integrity um, with their families, uh, with the young men, with the young women, with their wives, with their with their elders, um, I think that that showcases the best attributes of a man. What is a man, Benny? Um, a man is, 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 for me, a man is someone that, that respects his family. He respects his wife. He respects his community. Um, he, is, he is a protector of, of the things that are great and the things that are good. And he stands proud and walks in that, in that uh, glory of being that, that strong individual for the community. Amazing. Can we take a few calls before I let you guys go? Absolutely. Sure. Mind? Okay, let's go to Daisy out of um, what up, Daisy? Hey, New Daisy. York. Yeah, New, New York. York. Okay. Yeah. Daisy, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to call. I, I, I just had a question. Um, I just, and this is, I, I ask this in all sincerity. Um, I just wanted to know what is the purpose of um, specifying that the business is black owned or that the business is you know, uh, created from, you know, a black black and brown community and all that. Like, is there a specific reason for specifying that? Of course. Um, simply, um, like I mentioned before, it's about 8,000 breweries in the country right now. Um, there'll be about 10,000 breweries um, by the end of 2021. If that if one demographic is only the demographic that continues to exist in craft beer, then we're going to start having businesses that close down. Mm-hmm. Um, if the consumer base doesn't get more diverse and or the industry itself doesn't get more diverse, then people won't see their reflection. People won't support and people won't understand. Hey, look, not only can I support this black owned business, but now that I even understand what craft beer is now, I can go to the next business that maybe isn't black owned and still celebrate the things. When you say they won't see their reflection, what yes. do you mean? I mean, seeing other people, um, and, and hopefully I answer your question, Daisy, um, but uh, seeing people that look like them. You know, if, if anybody. Is that necessary? I think it right. is. That's what I was saying. It, I, I don't it, see why it's necessary. Well, think like, about. Why can't you just, sorry, why can't you just be a business and compete with all the other businesses right. without having to specify that? You know, is it black owned? I just want to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's another approach to look at it too. And I think as Jesse was explaining, you grew up 
and you were taught to own your home, do your, you know, own your business, and it, it's leading by example. I think the fact that we're in the craft beer space, a space that, that traditionally does not include people of color, it's also an opportunity for people to just see that you can get into industries and businesses that you normally are not either welcomed or don't really know anything about. So it's also just... Um, sort of leading by example in a way to say it is a black-owned business in a craft beer industry that is traditionally only white. So now someone can look at this as an example and say, wow, I can get into this business. I'm also accepted here. Think about it this way. If you walk into a brewery or any location and realize you're the only white person there, the only white woman, et cetera, over time you might feel uncomfortable. You might not stay. Your experience might not not be welcomed. And it isn't that anyone is excluding you or making you feel uncomfortable. It is often uncomfortable to be the only one. But when a person is uncomfortable, that's an insecure person, and they need to deal with their insecurity. Because if I walked into an all-black place or an all-white place, it's not their fault that I feel insecure. I don't know if it's a matter of insecurity. I think it's a matter of feeling comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think it's a Well, we matter... can't make people feel comfortable. <laughs> Your parents are supposed to do that while you're growing up. Well, you can make people feel comfortable. You can create spaces that are What that are mean, inclu- create spaces? You can, uh, like businesses. a brewery or businesses or public places that uh, really represent what the, the society looks like, which is not just white people. It's not just black people. It's everyone. So leading with the fact that we're black-owned doesn't take away from anything. It just shows that there are opportunities that we are able to take and able to grow in this space. It just doesn't exist. It, it, it's just something to say opportunities are here for everyone. It's an, it's an inclusive conversation. That's all it is. It seems like it's a bit more, it, it seems like it's a bit more exclusive when you, when you make it about the race. You see what I'm saying? Well, well, like, again, I, because I, if I was white and I heard you advertise black and brown, right, mm-hmm. I'm not going in there. I don't know. There, there, there are a lot of white people that love hip hop. Yeah, no, white people. <laughs> There's a lot. If you go to the average uh, hip hop concert, you primarily see more white people than you do see black. Really? Abs- absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. Anything else, Daisy? No, that's it. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Daisy. Of course. Right. Thank you, Daisy. But they don't call it black and brown in the hip hop world. They just call it bumping and grinding. <laughs> bumping and grinding. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't they? Get off my porch. Is that right? <laughs> no, they just, they just, Tanish, Tanika, I believe. Taniki is out. How do you say your name? Out of uh, Louisiana. Taniki, am I saying your name right? Tianki, Tianki, Jesse, what's wrong with you? Tianki, okay. Yeah. I'm listening to my producer. He said Taniki. Tianki. <laughs> no, but I kind of agree with the last caller on these, this business person. If you. Uh, directing something directly for blacks, and if you're going to open it in the hood, all I can say is good luck. Even LeBron James, when he opened up his Blaze Pizza in the St. Louis area, he put that establishment out in Maryland Heights, which is probably 95% white. Now, you're not preventing anyone from coming to your business, but you know, here's another thing that you got to consider, too. There's a lot of black conservatives today, and they are not just going to blindly patronize a business because it's black because the actions of the owner, you may be contributing to highly liberal politicians who enact a policy that goes against that black conservative's interest. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to spend the money with you. 
Well, one of the things that we also realized in beer culture specifically is that there is a, a reverence for German culture or Belgium culture, um, traditionally white uh, cultures, if mm-hmm. you will. But what about the American culture of beer? What about the American culture of creating ingredients and creating things that get lost because people are simply afraid to have a discussion about where our country has been? Um, you have a whiskey, um, I think it's called Uncle Nearest mm-hmm, Whiskey, mm-hmm. Um, that essentially started, um, and I apologize for remembering the, 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 the whiskey that they were affiliated with, but literally the legacy of Uncle Nearest was buried because people were simply afraid to discuss or even have a conversation about race. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal is not to exclude and, 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 to, and to not make people feel like we're tearing something down. Rather, we're building a space that rather hasn't been there. And it needs to be there, frankly, right. for people to support the industry. This is- when, when, when we do events, real quick, when we, we do events, because, again, we've been doing this for a while, um, it's, never, it's never just black people. It's never just brown people. Our events are always a mix of the most diverse group of people you've ever seen having beer. And again, to my point earlier, people are having conversations with people that they would have never met otherwise. All we're doing is creating a space where everyone can feel comfortable. And the truth of the matter is a lot of these spaces, everyone doesn't feel comfortable. And I, I, we don't think there's anything wrong with creating a space where everyone can feel comfortable. D-Live, this is from D-Live. Brandon M. Ask if you know of Garrett... Oliver. Oliver. Yes. That's a homie. Yeah. He was the founder of Brooklyn Brewer. Absolutely. And a good he's friend. black he and is. is one of the most successful craft beers. He absolutely is. Yeah. In the so world. In the world, yeah. He's but he's agent. not using black. He's not saying black and brown. I've never heard of it. But he's he includes everybody. He doesn't say black and brown. His, he, he is one of the, the most uh, well-renowned craft beer experts. And I think um, for him, I don't think it is a matter of black and brown. And that's fine. That is, that's totally fine. But I think in the community, in the black and brown communities, he is looked at as a, a person of color in craft beer. And that does mean something. It meant something to me. It meant something to me when we met him to say, hey, you were one of the first. You were one of the the first pe- people to pave the way to introduce an opportunity for people of color in craft beer. And that is an important thing to, to have. Let me just squeeze in one more call here. Sure. Before uh, Jay is out of Chicago, Illinois. Jay, welcome to the show. Oh, God, I hung up on Jay. No. <laughs> Come back, Jay. Oh, Jay, call back if you can before they leave. Jay, call me back, Jay. I'm sorry. One more time, tell the folks how they can get in contact with you, where you are, and all that good stuff. Of course, you can find us uh, more notably on Instagram at crownsandhops.com. That's S at the crowns and S at the hops. Or you could go to our site, www.crownsandhops.com. Spell out the and. Yep. One last thing from me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand blast. why you use the black and brown thing. I'm not getting it. Mexicans don't like black people. And in Mexico, black people are second class. Have you ever gone to Mexico? Of black course. people are second class citizens. And in places like Compton, East L.A. and all that, there's a war going on between the blacks and the Mexicans, even so, on Crenshaw well, Boulevard. Isn't it time to change that? Well, well, wait, 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 here's the thing. Um, <laughs> you, you have um, a Mexican homebrewing club that we are honorary members of mm-hmm. called the SoCal Serviceros. That is probably one of the more amazing group 
of Mexican men and women that we've been um, able to work with and collaborate with. We love each other. And and we we share beer. We brew together. Absolutely. And we share philosophies that are not just rooted in black and brown, but Mm -hmm. rooted in just good human beings taking good good care of good human beings. Absolutely. And and that's what we've been able to get. Mexicans don't even hire black people. Yeah, hey, look. I, I don't know what to say to that. Jay is back. Let me tell you, Jay, really fast. Let's go, okay, Jay. Sure. Okay. Jay, thank you for calling back. You're on the air with my guest. Go ahead. Hey, what kind of beer y'all got? Uh, take oh, it. Yeah, we have three beers, uh, flagship beers right now. We have a uh, stout called Urban Anomaly, which is an American stout with smoked malt. We have a Pilsner called Beat Messenger that is a, a, mm. a true take on an Italian Pilsner that I love. is nice and dry. And an IPA, which is a West Coast IPA called Elevated Cypher. Uh, super traditional, y'all super like, clean. Y'all got like Steel Reserve or Pope 45. That's all us black people like. Oh, no, not today, man. <laughs> not We're today. elevating the game. Hence, yeah, uh, crowns and hops. Pope 45 after the show. Check uh, them up. Hey, look, I'm, I'm sure there will be a market for that always, but we're all about all about well, elevating the palate. That's all we buy. <laughs> all black people buy, we love malt liquor. That's all we get. No, all it's time to Chicago, elevate the palate and expand the palate and bring you, in something you, you, a little right. lot more premium. You, you make sure and pour some out for the homies then, all right? All right. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. Scott is out of Texas. Scott, thank you for calling you on the air. Hey, Jesse, just had a quick question. I was curious about the double standard with the whites and the black businesses where, you know, if we were to say this is a white brewery, there'd be a massive backlash, but blacks can say that and it's okay. Very interesting point. Good point. You say? Again, um, when there is no parity, um, when there is uh, an issue, um, and for example, the Brewers Association, which is an association that governs all breweries in the um, in the United States, also saw that this was an issue, and it was an issue because there was not a a, a one, a level playing field of entry, and then two, there just wasn't awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, again, when you do, like the previous caller just stated, um, the, the the big beer industry, the malt liquor beer industry, they absolutely target the black and brown consumer to drink the worst of the possible products absolutely. out there. Um, but when you have that same um, uh, concern about what big beer is doing, sometimes uh, the conversation of black and brown and Latin and Asian even people is left out. So mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're just ensuring that people understand that there is a, a product, there is a business, and there is a space for everyone when it hasn't been uh, so obvious in the past. And I think in, in regard to that question, we're not saying we are a business for only black and brown people. We have right. never said that. We've never represent, represented that, and, and that's never been our message. We are saying we are a brewery that is owned by people of color and that we are just going to create a space that has some elements of culture that has been absolutely missing from the beer industry. But so there's no see, inclusion. You do see there's a double standard. White people can't say and do certain things where the black people and everybody else can do and say whatever they want. But our perception is reality sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know if, if and, and again, uh, you are not an insecure man. We are clear about that. But there are other people in this country that either may be battling insecurity or dealing with the issues that they cannot face or speak up or say, I am uncomfortable or yeah. this situation um, I, I feel like I can't progress in. And what we do in terms of saying I am a black owned business is saying that, look, there is space for everyone here. 
mm-hmm. when they're when it hasn't been obviously put out and or positioned that way in the past. Thank you, Scott. Thank you all so much. That was fun, huh? Thank yeah, you, Jesse. Thank you so much. That was so much fun. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that we always pride ourselves in is in having the uncomfortable conversation. I love that. that, that that's the only way we're going to come to a solution. Yeah. We don't plan on being right all the time, but but we are grateful that you are allowing us to have this conversation. Are with you, you surprised and your guests. that the blacks hire the Mexicans, but the Mexicans won't hire the blacks? Uh, again, I don't know about yeah, that. Look around yeah. you. It's I'm everywhere. Not, I'm not sure about that statement. <laughs> no, it's Mama Mia, hola. Si, No blacks. Hey, we will be hiring blacks, Mexicans, whites, and everyone else when cool. we open our brewery. Absolutely. Right on. Thank you guys for coming. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. All right. Um, D-Live and Super Chats. Super Chats. Super Chats. Amazing. And don't forget to like, follow, tweet, subscribe, and share the Jesse Lee Peterson radio show, folks. We really appreciate it. We are at war. It is a spiritual battle for the soul of America. And it's going to take all of us to do it.